Hello everyone and welcome to episode 119 of the Fun With Cars Grand Prix Show. For coverage of the uh, race in Spa, I think it was Formula One. My name is Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And if we can just make it through turn one of this podcast, we will be all set. And we can <laughs> go on. We just did out. Didn't see you there. So, yeah, that, the big story, of course, for this weekend was really this, uh, not even turn one, but turn zero. Just from the start into turn one. True. It all came unglued, uh, basically starting with... And I always thought to myself, why start with glue? Well, because it's glued at the beginning. Ah. And then sometimes it becomes unglued. Right. Sometimes it starts apple-shaped and goes pear-shaped. So it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, that's, that's what you have to worry about. Yes, yes. So as, as has been covered very well, um, the... Uh, you know, at the start, we had, first of all, Pastor Maldonado jumping the start because apparently his finger slipped off the clutch. And so he did, I would say, a good job to not just crash directly into the person in front of him. So that made it a little bit weird at the very start. But Simple mistake. We can leave it right, at that. That happens. It is what it is. Um, but Roman Grosjean, basically, I think, not looking in his mirrors, not being aware uh, that Hamilton was on the outside edge of him, uh, and or I guess what would have been the inside edge going into, the, into turn one, um, just touched wheels. And it just all went wrong from there. Um, yeah. It was where they should have been under maximum braking. And, of course, those guys are just sliding without the ability to be braking because they're both out of control. And just well, Hamilton's this- wheels, front wheels, were literally off the ground. So that's 50% of his braking cap- capability gone. And, uh, you know, Grosjean wasn't exactly... He was all sideways, and, right. squir- and then Hamilton's car was sort of on the back of Rogro's car for a little while. It kind of flipped around over Alonso, piled into a whole pileup of carbon. It was... Pretty pretty gruesome, I guess, in terms of car carnage. Luckily, no actual injuries, which is always great to report. Uh, that, Absolutely, uh, no, no one actually, you know, physically hurt from this. But uh, and I'm I'm going to stake claim out right now. It was not Maldonado's fault in well, any way, shape, or form. That start. That <laughs> don't may start. Have don't them start. Up that a little that bit. poor guy. I, someone is going to blame him for something, and I I want to make the official fun with cars Grand Prix show stance that. It was not his fault. This incident in this race. Correct. There may be another incident in this race. Another incident entirely possible. But for this incident, Maldonado had nothing to do with it. Grosjean had poor spatial awareness and just pushed Hamilton off the road. Hamilton spun, then hit Grosjean, and then hit a bunch of other people and other people and other people. Including and... championship leader Fernando Alonso. Yes. Including unfortunate, uh, you know... Uh, collateral damage. Checo Perez was just yes. knocked out of the whole thing. Right. Um, a couple of the guys, so um, Button, of course, was in front of all this. Right. So he sort of went around with his lap one and was probably like, wow, something was crazy must have happened right. because now it's a safety car, but you know, it must be pretty wild for Button to sort of watch that coverage after driving this race where he's got no one in front if of him for the entire pick, race. If you're going to pick an event to be on pole, right. boy, was that a great event to be on pole? Because pretty much, you know, not many places behind. You were in trouble. Right. Uh, and so Raikkonen uh, being in uh, in second spot after this whole thing uh, was, you know, that was it was dicey for Raikkonen. And, and then everyone, you know, and then for so a couple of guys, like, like I think Jean-Eric Verne in the STR got a slow start. And he has that to thank for not being caught up in this whole sure. thing. Because, you know, when you're that close together as everyone is in turn one, lap one. Uh, then yeah, something goes a little bit wrong, and it just all compounds from there. So um, you know, after this, the, the like the Force Indias were third and fourth or something. Sure. I mean, just the way that Schumacher they, went from thirteenth to fifth. Yeah, it was through this. I mean, a lot of a lot of major major things happened. But I mean, the real question here, I think most people that are listening to the show probably have seen the incident probably several times. 
what has since happened was Romain Grosjean was not only given a penalty, he was banned from the next race. He is not going to be competing at Monza. And yeah. for me, that is a harsh penalty. It is, but it was a pretty harsh accident as well. I mean, you know, saying like you get five grid spots, you know, that's what you get if you slow someone up in qualifying. Uh-huh. And to to say that that, you know, if the penalty fits the, the you know, the, not the crime, but, you know, the, 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 the action that you're being penalized for, then it's sort of like this isn't quite the same deal. This is uh, creating not intentionally, but by lack of, you know, just skill or, you know, lack of attention or whatever the failing was, um, creating a very dangerous situation. I mean, like we said, thankfully no one actually did get hurt, but it was a dangerous situation. Sure, I mean, the okay, onboard but... from Alonzo's car was, you know, it's just sort of driving, driving, and all of a sudden, wow, a Lotus flies right in front of his face. You remember Canada from last year, right? Button went from last to win on to win the race. It was wet and dry and all kinds of crazy things, right? Yeah. Towards the beginning of the race, one of the things that happened was, as you're going down the, down the back straight heading towards the Wall of Champions, Button wasn't fully aware where Hamilton was. It ended up touching Hamilton. Hamilton slid a little bit, got into the wall. Very sim- similar circumstance. It wasn't on the opening lap, and it didn't involve multiple cars and major accidents, but it was extre- the actual incident of what happened was very similar. Button wasn't given any kind of penalty, and he went on to win the race. It's because Button's amazing. But my point is, is in my point, in terms of intent and in terms of uh, what happened in that isolated moment was very benign and very much a racing incident. Of I completely agree that it was Romain's fault, but I don't know if that necessarily justifies just because the outcome was different that he should suffer a more serious penalty. I mean, the uh, one I, I, difference being that it happened at the start, but, I mean, he, he, he touched another driver. That happens all the time. I, I think you do kind of have to look at the outcome, though, to an extent, because, you know, people make mistakes uh, off on their own, you know, sometimes, and it's, you know, whether that happens off on your own and you just you slide off the road and whatever, or if you, you know, push someone off the road and, you know, it turns into a crash or something. I mean, the fact that, um, I guess... I, mean, I can't see the FIA um, seeing the, all the footage, all the in-car footage of the cars not not really rolling over, tumbling over, but flying over each other, which just happens with open-wheel cars when they're all that right. close and they're all going slightly different angles and they're going around this corner, and they see that that uh, you know that crash and all the potential you know safety problems that are that crash, which is you know just a big big deal. To look at that and say, oh, yeah, okay, well, maybe that guy gets a 20 seconds added to his time because he's already out of the race anyway. Or that the next race he gets a couple – I feel like you just have to have a strong reaction to that to show that when it's when it, you're that close racing and the stakes are that high and sort of – this is such a reminder of how high the stakes are because most times it happens fine. We get all the cars get through and it's okay. But as just such a brutal reminder of how wrong it can go once it starts to go wrong that people just need to – be just more careful uh, about what's going on and, and what moves they're making, especially when everyone is tight and close like that. I'll give you another for instance. Uh, the Antonio Liuzzi, and I don't remember if it was last year or two years ago, Monza, mm-hmm. where he was towards the back of the pack. He was in an HRT. He lost and it under braking. And he yeah, lost into... under braking and ended, up, and ended up flying, yeah, hitting, I'm pretty sure it was someone like Kovalainen, and ended up spearing down the grass in between you know, the two straights, where the chicane was, mm-hmm. got really, really close, you know, ended up flipping over the side of people, took out a couple of cars, 
And I think he got a penalty, but he was not banned for a race. And in my opinion, that was a much more dangerous move. It was at higher speeds, and it was more under, it was more malicious in the sense that he had the intent of trying to make kind of a really bold pass that involved being near the grass and everything else. He didn't get a race ban. And I think that was much, a much more serious judgment lapse than what happened here. Well, you should call the FIA then and tell them because they think, including ex-driver Eliseo Salazar, who apparently you have more experience than because you're better able to judge Leotie's failings, Duh. Um, and, and let them know your thoughts. But uh, this, this to me seems, uh, seems like a reasonable thing. And keep in mind, I mean, Grosjean has had several first lap or first couple of lap incidents of just trying maybe a bit too hard, not quite having the judgment to... I will, I will concede that point. That. I will concede that point. But I think, I think honestly, I think this was a, another example of the FIA being inconsistent with their judgments. And if you look back just a couple of years with instances that are similar to this, you see that this in, it is by far the harshest penalty for uh, you know reaction to this. And I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily going to make the racing any safer. And you know, I, I feel bad for Grosjean in the sense that, in the sense that he's definitely been penalized in the sense that he was out of the race himself. You could easily say, "Hey, you're starting the next race from the back of the grid." You know, you could start the next race from the pit lane. We're going to keep you away from everybody else, but to ban him from the race altogether, first of all, it screws up my statistical model. That's a pain. Second of all, <laughs> the post probably puts Jerome D'Ambrosio in the car as their, which is a reserve driver. Right, and I mean, and I think you could make a very reasonable argument saying throwing a reserve driver in the car isn't necessarily the safest way to go either. So, I don't know. It, it, I, I hear what you're saying. I know that the FIA didn't take this lightly, but at the same time, I feel like it was a bit reactionary, a bit, bit of an overreach. To me, this is, to me, this is the uh, no fluids over three ounces in the airport kind of a thing. I'm not really sure this is doing much for me. Yeah, but I just think after, after a crash like this, I think people are right or wrongly looking to the FIA and say, well, what are you going to do about that? And I, you know, I can imagine uh, Hamilton's you know, heart racing a million beats per minute after, well, you know, he's got so much to prove and to keep follow-up on good results and, and to do well. And after this whole wing controversy, which we'll talk about in a minute, yes, uh, and everything else, to just be taken out right at the beginning. And then Alonso, who was, of course, leading the championship and still is after this race. I mean, thankfully, with the way, uh, you know, with the nature of his lead and where his rivals ended up coming, uh, you know, he's, Alonso still has a handle on this championship for now. But Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, that... With the pressure from those guys, from from those teams, uh, you know, the two top teams essentially uh, coming into to you know the race director and saying, "Hey, what's going on? You know, what's what, what's the deal with this guy?" So whether that's fair or not um, is, I, I suppose, debatable. But I can just I can imagine where they're coming from with this and uh, with you know just making a really harsh penalty that really matters. Uh, where five grid spots, you know, is that really punishing him? Is that really going to change behavior later on or something like that? It's uh, a little harder to say. Yeah, I mean, if, if if Maldonado were given the race ban, I totally would have understood. I mean, that's uh, uh, you bring it. We'll talk about ridiculous. him in a minute as well. No, but seriously, I I I I don't disagree with any of those points, those specific points. But I, I you know, obviously, still maintain my judgment, and I'm quite interested to hear what people think um, at home. Right, and I guess the wrap up, the last bit on that would be um, Grosjean's deal. Uh, he says. Uh, 
you know, he honestly thought I, I was ahead of Alonzo or of Hamilton, and there was enough room for both cars. I didn't deliberately try to squeeze him or anything like that. The first corner situation obviously isn't what anyone would want to happen, and thankfully no one was hurt in the incident. I wish to apologize to the drivers who were involved and to their fans, and I can only say that today is part of a process that will make me a better driver. So I will, I think, give him some credit for actually sort of owning up to it and not just kind of this typical... Um, oh, it happens, and you know, I just I just got caught for it, or I, was, I, th- I thought whatever. you were going to say typical French. I really did. Not some typical French. <laughs> Man, the, the countryism just rears its ugly head again. <laughs> I just I was just waiting for it, and I was going to have to defend the French, but I didn't have to. No, but now you brought it up, so now I, I feel know. like you kind of have to. But anyway, it's, it's just uh, you know. Th- where especially with all these like Maldonado clashes and he says oh it was this or it was that and it's we, we never really know and it's like no we kind of know so um it, he's owned up to it he's apologized to his to his rivals and so on uh he has his time out next week to think about it yes. and uh he'll be back in the car after that and so it goes but uh yeah it doesn't look great um uh, especially with his teammate Raikkonen uh, ending up going on to have a very solid performance uh including some some wicked on track action Kimi Raikkonen has those moments and when he has those moments He's just unbelievably good. Right. It's like the combination. So it's, it's, this is why we were excited to see Kimi Raikkonen back in the car. It's just every once in a while there's some on-track brilliance of just a move that you don't expect to see someone make. And usually Kimi's one of the few guys to make these moves. Um, and it's a combination of strategy and just overall driving skill of just keeping this car where, right. it's, where he wants it to be at the limit of traction. So we saw um, Raikkonen battling with Schumacher over a couple of laps. And yes. where I uh, mean multiple times throughout the day, but in this one, yeah, there's this one excursion where clearly uh, Raikkonen had a Hamilton ad- a handling advantage, whereas uh, Schumacher had a straight line advantage. Right. So with Durs and you know kind of this back and forth, we saw a couple of passes and pass backs, but it came together um, where it was just after they they'd gotten through the hairpin uh, at turn one, um, the bus stop. Well, through the bus stop, across car start finish, and through the hairpin at turn one. And uh, and then which you know starts up the the run up to Al Rouge, which that right, right there right, is where right, the, right. the DRS detection zone is. Yes. And we had some um, uh, my some of my family and uh, not super F one followers with us. And when, yes. when you and I got really excited about what happened <laughs> about, right. about making a pass at, between the detection point and the DRS activation zone. Uh, there was kind of this moment when everyone else in the room had, was like, "What are they talking about?" Right, right. Where we sort of had, we sort of realized how complex F1 has gotten with all the technical crap that's in there now, right. but, and how much we take for granted. Right. right. But yeah, absolutely. So Raikkonen having this trouble, he just could not get around Schumacher in the traditional traditional methods, and he had this really brilliant um, outbreaking maneuver in the bus stop. But when it came to that detection zone, and then on to the O'Rouge in the straightaway afterwards, he got repassed by Schumacher because he had so much more straightaway speed. So Raikkonen figured he had to make a pass in a more bold place. And I really, I don't actually give Raikkonen a ton of credit for the strategy of it all. I just think Raikkonen just displayed one of his zero fear moments, and it just worked out for him really well. So in they got through the DRS detection zone. Kimi Raikkonen still behind Schumacher, definitely within a second. He was right on his rear wing. Right, which, of course, just means Kimi can open his wing and Michael Schumacher cannot because Schumacher wasn't within a second of anyone ahead of him. Correct. And instead of waiting to go up a rouge and then try to make the pass on the straightaway, which had failed him in the past, he pulled out and passed him on the outside at the entrance of Rouge, which means that two things. One, he was going 180-plus miles an hour. And into this corner, the fact that he was moving the car around at all is a ticket. Second, 
he had to pull a slightly tighter line through a rouge than usual because he had to turn slightly later because he had to get around Schumacher. And of course, without backing off because he was able to keep in front of Schumacher the whole time. Third, he had to have he had to have the confidence and the wherewithal to say that Schumacher is not going to somehow run into me and crash. At 180 miles an hour. So not only does he pull off this incredible move that was Mark Webber-esque from last year, but indeed, because he was in the DRS activation zone, he still could pull his wing and, and, Schumacher and use Durs, and Schumacher couldn't. So he was ahead of Schumacher with the Durs and was able to keep that lead and actually pull a little bit of a gap on the straightaway, despite the traditionally bad uh, straight-line disadvantage he had. And fourth... He passed Kimi Raikkonen passed Schumacher so hard it broke Michael Schumacher's sixth gear. <laughs> That's right. So exactly. That it may take away slightly from the the you know the the pass there. That if the part of that momentum was that it, it, we later learned that uh, Schumacher was slowing down a little bit because he was without sixth gear. I don't think sixth would have come into play from anywhere through that hairpin and up to where they made that pass. Certainly not. But. So, yeah, after that, Schumacher did start backing off quite a bit, um, we later learned, because he was, he was missing sixth gear. Although, as you and I were saying, I think of, if you had to pick one gear to lose, yeah. I guess once you're moving, maybe you could do without first pretty well. Cause I don't, I, think I don't know. Those, they use first maybe through the, through the chicane through the and through the bus stops. I bet they use first. But, but you know, seventh is going to be your top speed. If you lose seventh, then you just, you're limited to whatever your top gear at sixth is. Exactly. Um, and, and other ones through the middle. There's, there's third gear corners. There's fourth gear corners. There's all that. But there's very few times when, like, sixth is just the gear you need to be and in. And sixth and seventh are usually pretty tight. Right. So They're not that far away from each other. You can get from fifth to seventh and do okay. So, um, you know... That that that's part of it, but yeah, it's just it's so the this, the move though it was it was so funny because then we said oh man so it's not only is it a brilliant move on track the timing happened to work out such that the DRS advantage still went to Raikkonen right where it's, it's which it's, was so fantastic right and we're just oh my god look at he's got the, the wing and then this happens and everyone else in the room is just like what are you guys talking about well do you about? remember uh, I forget who wasn't it when Raikkonen passed I think it was Alonso into one thirty R. In Suzuka yeah. years ago, like just every once in a while, Raikkonen has these moves and just like, it, and it's tough because just like you said, so we had these, we had some uh, family and friends that weren't into Formula One, so they don't understand as much and not into racing in general as much. And it's the problem with racing is it really benefits you a ton to experience like a track day or some of your own amateur racing or something like that yourself because then you have so much more of a sense of how difficult it is. Because because racing is on such a big scale, you know, spas four and a half miles long. The cameras have these huge lenses on them, and things the distances are really far. So to really get good scale, you really lose a ton of that speed right. that they're going. You lose all the elevation they're experiencing. You have no sense of the G's they're pulling or how much the car's slipping and moving around. It's really hard to capture that. Yeah, and if so you, you have to kind of know it. To respect what's happening. Yeah, if you don't know our rouge, you may like, like, oh yeah, you kind of go in there and it's a little bit of a turn and you go right. out there. Like, oh, right. that doesn't, you know, right. they all do it. It looks fine. I remember, it's funny you say that because I remember the kink at Road America. I'd seen a lot of people go through it a million times. And I was like, yeah, whatever, it's kink, whatever. It's kink, I could do it. It's just a little bit of a corner, but you're going really fast there. And then I, I remember when I was in the Formula car, when I approached it, the Formula car was faster than Sergio Perez. Remember uh, that yeah. one? Check yeah, Yeah. I remember entering it for the first time going, that looks a lot tighter than it does on television. Yep. And, uh, and, I, and I got through it. And then when I did start going through it flat, I was like, okay, it is okay. I can do it. 
but it is not easy like I thought it was. Yeah. Or another one, I'll give you. Uh, Frustrated Roto- VIR. <laughs> <laughs> no, Road, Road Atlanta. Yeah. Um, there's that five, six complex where you go down the hill and kind of S, down an S yep. in five, and then up the S in six. And I remember seeing that on TV. It was like an ALMS race or something like that. I'm like, oh, that, that's a neat little thing. And then I saw it in real life. I'm like, oh, my God, you're dropping four stories and back up again. It's a really steep hill. Right. And it changes the whole dynamic of the thing. And so, yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult to really convince someone that isn't into racing. I mean, you can explain it to them. They can say, oh, I get it. But to really convince them that what you just witnessed was really incredible. I mean, and even you and I don't have – you know, we haven't gone – around a corner in a car generating 5Gs of acceleration. Right. I mean, I, we can imagine we've right. done, we've both been in I've some done, pretty fair yeah, cars. You've, I've done two done and a half Gs in, in, right. in go-karts. That's and the closest I've, I've done. I've ridden in the long in some race cars and so on, and I don't know if it's even been that that many Gs, but um, you know, so even that, we don't have a first-hand knowledge of just, you know, holding up your head against that kind of G-forces and all that. Right. But, like, you know, ah, my head! It's, it's heavy! <laughs> Under 5Gs! Anyway. Well, that's, you're smart, that's why. Well, I wouldn't be so bad. I, yeah. Um, but so anyway, it's just sort of part of it was this realization of, you know, what a cool move, just this driving talent and all that. But then also that it played into the technical regulations just so well for Kimi and then, and then kind of what that all, what that all meant. And of course, Kimi was off after that, you know, really one of the quickest cars on the field gaining on Vettel, but you know, obviously way too far behind it actually catch him ended up finishing third again, but, uh, brilliant, brilliant move. Uh, but all that was behind Jensen Button. We haven't really talked just, about, but he just owned, owned the weekend. Unbelievable. Just incredible. And just no one, no one was close. Right. Qualifying or racing. So, right. and so, you know, practice was a washout for everyone. You know, there was, that was just Friday practice. So I really, it was Saturday morning practice was, was the only real uh, useful session. Button was fastest in that. Um, ends up his, Button's first attempt, you know, his first fast lap was fast enough for pole in Q3. You know, mm-hmm. he made it through all the sessions, obviously. You know, Vettel knocked out in Q2 because his time just wasn't quite fast enough. Rosberg messing up the timing and being out in Q1, whatever. And then he went on and Vettel it. Button did. Button Vettel. Okay. Button I was like, it. Rosberg yeah. did not Vettel anything this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Button Vettel it in Q3 and just added more added right. more cushion. Just went and dominated on it. And so Hamilton, if you were to ask him, would say, well, that's because he had the new tricky rear wing and I didn't. Um, but actually I'm, I'm better or whatever. So here's what I don't understand, and you've read more about this than I have. By about three or four words, maybe, yes. <laughs> did Hamilton choose not to have the wing, or did he ask for the wing and was not granted it? Um, that's what's a little bit awkward about it. So um, it sounds like, from what I gather, Hamilton um, decided to take the higher downforce wing um, which overall turned out to be slower. So he, what, what I gather is he decided that and then lamented deciding that. Okay, so he wasn't blaming the team. He was just really cuz it cuz there's a whole thing about all the tweets he had. And he he the one thing I respected about Hamilton is he never once blamed Button. He never said, "Oh, Button's an asshole" or whatever. Right. Uh, Button's a jerk. I'm I got to watch my language here. Right. Um but it it I got the sense that he was mad at the team for making that decision for him. Yeah, and I think he was just mad. Okay. And then and was lashing out on Twitter because it's you know it, it's just such an easy thing to to sort of vent your frustration and have all your people all your supporters go yeah yeah those other guys are assholes and you're better than that and blah blah blah. Oh no, you got to watch your language. Yeah, no, you got to watch my language. Um, watch your language. But thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so it was it was you know sort of it was just frustration overall I think right. for Hamilton and then today you know he's just he you know. Uh, 
he says that he laments reverting to the old wing. Um, turns out it was the wrong choice, but uh, everyone, uh, you know, this this uh, Autosport article does say everyone in McLaren, or I guess Button probably didn't really care because he was working on his own thing. But Hamilton and his guys decided that, yes, we want the higher downforce wing. This is what's going to make the difference. Okay. And, uh, and it just was the wrong call. Okay. Uh, luckily, I think for the team, um, uh, you know, I guess, the, you know, luckily they didn't sort of have to sacrifice Jensen um, in any way, because that would have been a shame with the way it all went down with Hel- with Hamilton. That what wing he had on his car really didn't end up mattering one bit today, right? Uh, because uh, just because of that ridiculous crash. So it's a good thing, you know, because th- going into the weekend, it was all this, uh, you know, is uh, is you know Jensen just going to back up Lewis? Is he going to be number two driver? Right. There's a lot is, of that's it. Be and, the and, deal. and that was completely fair conversation too. I mean, absolutely. You know, we are now well into the second half. And Jensen was quite a bit far, you know, a couple race wins effectively behind Lewis Hamilton. Made sense to start asking those kind of questions. Uh, This result obviously tightens the field way up between those two and makes that discussion a lot less likely, at least in the next couple of races. Those two are much closer to being on par. But I have to say, I find it hard to believe that that rear wing is worth a second because Button was nine-tenths on... Hamilton at Q3. I think I have to look at the numbers, but it was right around nine tenths of a second between those two. Right, well, it was a huge gap. And as they said, it was the Raikkonen was on the same strategy. Like we were talking about, having such a hard time working with Schumacher was that Raikkonen was was you know losing out in fast speed because he had this higher downforce setup. So if you look at you know among the other top guys, uh, Hamilton had it wasn't like he just picked a just dramatically bad strategy. It was just they made the wrong call. Yeah, and uh, yeah. You know, I, so and then, I'm looking at the numbers here. Forty-seven five seven for Button versus a forty-eight three nine, so over eight tenths yeah. of second slower. I have a really hard time believing that uh, McLaren brought out a new wing that was a second faster than the old one. You know what I mean? I think Button was also just switched on this weekend. Yeah. So, and I guess without Friday testing to be able to try both things, I don't think they could really change wings maybe between sessions or something, but. Um, you know, without that lo- losing that ability to do that, they just kind of had to make a call uh, without as much data as they would have wanted. And it sounds like Button both uh, made the correct call on the wing and just owned it. Right. You know, just it just and, had it, the right combination of everything. This and weekend. that kind of marries with what we've talked about in, in the past of his traditional strengths: understanding race strategy, kind of understanding what's going to be. He just he has kind of that sixth sense that all that experience he can fall on to say. What are the more likely outcomes of this race? What's more likely to be beneficial? You know, Button tends to make those, those right calls more often. And when you lose a day of Friday practice and data and time to get up to speed and be crazy fast no matter what, something that Lewis Hamilton's really good at, maybe that was an advantage to Jensen Button is that because he's so good at those type of, um, that type of understanding, that type of driving, that type of strategy, that, that played into his hands. That's just a guess on my part, but I'm saying that Maybe the fact that Hamilton lost Friday was advantage button. Could have been. But as it sits now, uh, Alonso still, like we said, is in the lead of the championship with 164 points. And Vettel, uh, who's behind him now, uh, came second. So Weber loses a spot down from second to third. Um, Vettel has 140 points. Mark Weber's behind him with 132, so eight points back. Uh, one point behind him is Kimi Raikkonen, though. Kimi's done at just 131 points. Um, and uh, Raikkonen's doing phenomenally well. Right. This so, I mean, Raikkonen ahead of both McLarens, we should mention. So uh, Lewis is still ahead of, of Button uh, by 16 points. So it's still, you know, they're, they're, 
you know, Jensen's not probably quite ready to play number two driver to Hamilton, especially after a dominating weekend. Yeah, 16 points back. It's still, you know, 63 points back to Alonso. That is still a big margin. That's two and a half race wins back. It is. And that's going to be hard to overcome. I mean, it's very, uh, you could flip around. I mean, that was kind of lead Jensen Button had in 2009. Yeah. And he just nursed that thing all the way to the finish. However, that was more like 18 races, maybe even 17. Now we're at 20. So uh, there are plenty of points to be had physically, mathematically. It's still very possible. But, you know, Alonso is very good at avoiding, you know, getting in these kind of situations. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the incident today was completely out of his hands. Yeah. But it's not going to be this scenario happening two or three times more in the season and Button's in it all of a sudden, you know. So how Button reacts to this. Although I will say Button has been quite quick in Monza in the past. And if they got a trick new wing that's low down for us and that's the one Button likes, I mean, that that's not a bad thing to have right, that, coming to Monza. That with. could come good. But there are those two Red Bull drivers between them and Alonso anyway. I mean, there's not, not to count out the fact that Vettel is still there, Weber's still there, and even Reagan um, are all, you know, Right. Hanging in there, doing pretty well in the championship and so on. And I hadn't realized it had been since '09 that Button has been on pole. You know, uh, Hamilton uh, has done really well in getting, you know, getting to the pole. And uh, that's partly why he was so frustrated when it all went wrong for him this weekend um, that, that they were talking strip about. Strip club jokes running in my head. Pole right. position. Come, oh, come on. Oh. Anyway, yeah. Good um, time getting to the pole. And just Hamilton just gets on that pole. And things, magic happens. What can I say? What? Metal on the pole, let me tell you. That's. Getting, getting worse instead of better. <laughs> so you, you don't think that there's any controversy to be had with this whole McLaren thing? That was overblown. Uh, a little bit. I mean, it was, it was Hamilton just getting really frustrated. Because um, there are all these tweets. There was a whole tweeting telemetry and all this kind of stuff. Seemed to be really trying to prove the point that he's still super mega fast always yeah. and every time, and but that the, the wing screwed him. Yeah, and his tweets have been deleted, but uh, what, it's, what it ultimately comes down to is, is not you know, the overall point was that he was really, really frustrated. And yes, Button was faster. And as we saw, a combination of the car and the driver and the practice and everything coming together, but just expressing frustration, not saying, here's why I'm slower. Okay. It it was just like, I'm really frustrated right now. (laughs) I don't want to swear. (laughs) You know, it's just, uh, just, uh, Bollocks! I, did, <laughs> I have not achieved what I wanted to achieve. Right. Yes. We'll we'll leave it at that. What's what's the opposite of chuffed? I'm that. He's that. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of chuffed, though, I am chuffed to bits because I am looking forward to predictions more heavily <laughs> than I have in a long time. I feel oh, yeah. really <laughs> good about our predictions this week, uh, and I want to talk about that. So, is there not a not a poker player? Yes. Jim Lau. No, I am not. Uh, anything else we can? Uh, anything else on the race? I mean, that's, uh, you know, as always for our fans, we want to hear what you think. So uh, visit funwithcars.net and you can comment on the show. Specifically, shows right there. how was this Maldonado's fault? Right. There was, <laughs> Maldonado did actually have a crash with Timo Glock for which he receives a five grid spot penalty. So right. there is the obligatory Maldonado did something wrong. That's so minor. I mean, come on. That shouldn't even be on the radar. I mean, okay, I, fair enough. Maldonado, he also jumped the start and Maldonado, got a five grid spot penalty. Maldonado for that. should not be given a penalty simply because it was only one other guy that was involved. It's like, oh, you only messed up one other guy's race? That's fine. It's like he's not even injured. No, nah, he's good. He's You're okay. Probated. And yeah, anyway. Mal- I'm sorry. No, we do have to talk about this now. I do need 30 seconds. Maldonado was quick in qualifying, and he again showed he is so capable. He just needs to, like, 
cool himself off just a little bit. This is exactly, exactly what we were talking about in the midseason driver review, and it played out. Senna was slow on Saturday, unimpressive, no good, right? Maldonado was third on the grid before he got his three-spot penalty <laughs> for impeding. <laughs> yeah, either way. It's kind of hard to make this case sometimes. But, but he was by far quicker, and he had a really good race start. And, well, really, really good race start. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a psychic <laughs> race start. But uh, he, just, he just needs to back off. He needs to make the number one priority. He's getting the car home in one piece. And he, he has potential to be really, really good. Right. He, could be, he could be a top guy if he can just cool himself off. And Senna just keeps himself clean, keeps everything going. He ended up having a solid finish at the end of the day. Yeah, he finished 12th. And Maldonado, of course, retired. You know, oh, was it 12th? I thought he was top spot. 10. Senna wasn't top 10? No. Oh, well, he was see. the last car not to get lapped. Really oh, did. you know why? That's right, because Senna ended up pitting with like four laps to go because his tires were ragged. That's right. That, yeah. and so he ended so, up doing an extra pit stop than he hoped. I, you know, it's just it. Williams is kind of stuck in that trap. It's like the exact opposite of McLaren or Force India, where they have both two really strong drivers. That one weakness is um, helped, benefited by another strength. Yeah, it's like those. They're just. It just doesn't. They're just quite. <laughs> they they both have money though. That's what what really matters. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Predictions. I, Let's do it. So we went a month between predicting what was going to happen and actually witnessing what was going right, to happen. Right, so someone here. would have to be really, really amazing to, to <laughs> guess correctly. A month ago! I was going to say lucky. That's you, interesting. No, it's probably Your lucky. word it's, choice. It's, it's lucky. Uh, okay. Well, and really good looking, I think. It's both. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a large amount of sexiness involved. So, okay, hats off to you. Well, actually, I'm going to keep the hat on. But, Cheers. Very well done. Jensen Button on pole. Jensen Button to win the race. And not only did he do that, Jim, he did it in style with a gap. I mean, he had a buffer. And the the first drive of 2012 where the one guy led every single lap. I mean, we even had, you know, we had pole to victories a couple of times even with Maldonado, with Rosberg. And, you know, tires are crazy and the whole situation is weird. But no time yet has someone led every single lap, flag, lights to flag, and uh, and and to and and uh, so but basically what I'm saying is I predicted button button uh, at the end at the last show two shows ago I guess now before the whole break and all that the last Grand Prix yeah. and I feel um, I have a, it was a totally different show then it had a different name and everything it was amazing <laughs> such um, a long time ago it was it's like a, it's like another era um, but I feel particularly coke worthy this time because not only did I did I predict correctly and get zero points which happens every once in a while you've done that a lot more often than I have. Uh, but I was the only one out of all the people on the Facebook page well to done. predict that. Well done. And so many other people did so much worse. Not you. You actually did very well in this as well. You were, we'll get to that. Yeah, but, yeah. but so I mean, anyone who had Hamilton lost big. Anyone who had Alonso lost big. Anyone who had Vettel, he had he was eleventh in qualifying and I'm starting tenth. So you know, already started on the back foot with points. So like, okay, oh, we get it. You're great. It was, Jeez. I feel really good about it. I feel like I should get like eighteen cokes or something. Well, I'm not going to give you eighteen, but I will give you four because I I will say Look, I think my prediction was a bit more bold than yours because I went Kimi Raikkonen on pole. Kimi Raikkonen win this race. Lotus has whatever. Yet to Kimi win Raikkonen this always wins. And I mean, I mean, to be fair, if you go nameplate, Lotus hasn't won in many, many years. Right. But 
Kimi did not win the race, but he did hold his own. He ended up uh, starting third. He qualified fourth, but uh, benefited from Maldonado being Maldonado. (laughs) And ended up finishing on the podium in third as well, much to the joy of the crowd. There must have been a lot of Finnish fans in the crowd or fans of great passes and the old Rouge Pass was popular. Right. Or I, all, the, all the Ferrari fans that once there were no Ferraris on the podium, they were like, well, this guy used to drive for Ferrari and we still like him. Who knows? And, of course, Kimi gave the lamest interview of the three, but whatever. I think Jackie Hicks gave the lamest interview. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. I am... Don't, don't make <laughs> Sorry, fun of him. I'm so natural to make fun of everybody. I'm a terrible person. Okay, let's Either way, on. I ended up with four points. Uh, Kimi uh, starting and finishing the race third. Damien, the statistical model, on the other hand, said, no, 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 no. Lewis Hamilton was on pole last time and won the race last time. He's going to repeat and be on pole and win the race. And as Lewis Hamilton himself said, he had a disastrous qualifying, uh, starting seventh on the grid. And even more so, uh, finished the race 23rd out of a possible 24 people. Giving the statistical model, Damien, a total of 28 points so, for this race. I think so. What did I earn? I think negative 10, I think, was what my tally came to. Your tally came to zero. The overall awesomeness factor, though, yes. I think it goes negative. At I that think point. you might have done something wrong with the tear weight or something on your scale here. But come on. Anyway, I guess I can, I can be happy that this is probably the best any single person it, has done in, it was, in predictions. It was and I'm never going to do it again. It was, it was certainly an emotional negative 10, but we go by objective numbers here. We are data driven, data acquisition people here, folks. Okay, well, Jim, I, I still want that way too you did win that way as well and you you, and in terms of individual wins you and i both have five we shared one uh in germany so uh there's double there with uh damien the statistical model only having three wins so we are really pulling a gap i have 118 points still in the lead among the three of us Mm -hmm. you have 128 points so you definitely uh pulled it in some damien is struggling with 174 points which goes to show that if you don't have some random Adrian Newey Vettel dominance thing going, yes, indeed, you can be better than a stupid, silly, heuristic model. Than an Excel spreadsheet. So to put a little bit of context on that, we're, for all of our Facebook, plan, Facebook fans playing along at home, um, uh, you, Robin, with uh, 118 points, are in ninth spot. So you and Neil Popham, our prediction stud, are actually tied for ninth. Yay, yay! But, I mean, Stuart Mitchell somehow only has 90 points. Uh, Tony Drake only has 92, and Darren Bowden, I'll read out the top three there, at 99. Uh, so that's very, very impressive that those people have been able to be that consistent and, uh, and do very well. Uh, so you're in ninth, so you're, you're within the top 10. I am 15th, actually tied with Matt Pattison, although I think with this win being so dominant, I should be a little bit higher than that. <laughs> Um, I gotta, I gotta enjoy this while it lasts because it's not ever gonna happen again. Uh, and Damien is in twenty six. But you're spot. not the hyperbolic guy. I'm the hyperbolic guy. Well, so you gotta you be, be so hyperbolic. Then. I just love it. I'm just the parabolic guy. It's like it's not uh, anyway. Um, so I get it. I get it. That's how it math goes. humor. Yeah, that's how it goes for now. But none of that matters moving forward. Monza, sir. Monza. We have to predict what's gonna happen in Monza. What, what, what do you think is gonna happen? The Defosi is gonna be there. That's Italian for jerks, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the language terribly well. (laughs) Well, We need to make a t-shirt that says that. Um, Okay. Alonso is going to be keen to get his championship back on form. Uh, Massa finished in the top 15. Blah, 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 blah. So that means the Ferrari's probably really quick. Uh, Where did Massa finish? Was he in the top 10? He He was not terribly impressive. But I, I think he was in the top ten. I already 10. closed that tab. Well, it doesn't matter. I can, 
I can actually tell you. I will tell you in real time. He was Felipe Massa fifth. So there you go. If Felipe Massa can finish the race fifth, that means Alonso could have won this race. I think. I mean, I think, I, I think that's a pretty. Extension. He could have come negative third, like, like me in predictions. <laughs> Although if he had done, then I wouldn't have done that in predictions. Well, so. Yeah, of course. Dang it. That's. Time travel yeah, is hard. Don't think about that too much. Okay. It's like a butterfly effect. It's bad. Where are we going with this? I Point is, uh, the the Ferrari could be quite quick. And if the Ferrari is going to do well in one place uh, in this calendar, in this Formula One circus, it's going to be Monza. I agree. Although I don't think Alonso is going to get pole position. Oh. Um, so I'm going to actually go with a split pole. Nice. I already like it. To say that Sebastian Vettel will get the pole position. Oh, and you're losing me. And that Fernando Alonso will go on to win the race. So you think Sebastian Vettel is going to get pole in that high downforce uh, Red Bull, do you? Yeah. I think he's going to do a Zen thing. He's going to come out and he's going to impress everybody. And this is how I am going to continue to lose predictions. But whatever. <laughs> no, no. I think it's, I think it's legit. I think, I think that's... That's my prediction. Well, I'll tell you what. Lewis Hamilton was dominant in Hungary, which is a very tight circuit. And he was very upset about uh, what happened here at Spa. I think he's going to come back uh, with force in Monza. And I think he's going to say, whatever Button does, I want the same thing. And I You're think forgetting he'll... Angry Button is, or Angry Hamilton is crashing Hamilton. <laughs> I think that Lewis Hamilton's going to pull it back together. And I think he's going to be very, very competitive and be on pole position and win in Monza. That's what I think. I think McLaren, I think what Button showed was that the McLaren car is once again the fastest car. That's what I'm hoping, at least. I like how how no one except Damien has any faith in Button anymore for Monza. Well, I mean, I I really, I, I was very tempted to do Button, but partially... Partially because I think Hamilton's really going to be charged to do well. He's going to crash. And partially because Damien indeed is going to predict Jensen Button on pole and to win the race. And you can't beat him. I guess if well, we could, we could predict the same as Damien because we're ahead of him now. We could right. predict the and same we could just, just cover our losses But from we're here. better than that. We are better than that. Or Besides, possibly worse than that. And possibly way more clairvoyant. However, I think we've proven that the longer the race away is, the better off we do potentially. So Whatever. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so... That means that uh, we, we've got another race in a week. However, we don't necessarily have the capability of providing you a podcast in a week. Right. That may be delayed coverage or something on the web or something we don't yet know. But um, stay tuned. Definitely keep in touch with us on funwithcars.net. And I, I do want to say that has nothing to do with legal issues. There's nothing, that, there's nothing going on I'm that gonna be, I'm going to be on vacation. Jim's going to be on vacation. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't know if there's going to be internet access there. I think that there is, but I don't know if I'll be able to be able to really do a show. Do they have the internet? Yes, they do. Um, but uh, but who knows? I mean, I guess, you know, sometimes vacation may even be vacation from doing the podcast. So um, we'll that's see. No va- what kind of vacation yeah, is no, that? Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, I'll bring my computer. I'll bring all the stuff. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do I don't know. We'll figure something out. But, hey, um, news. Scary news. Uh, we are down to only one. One singular, unaccount, uh, un, uh, yeah, unrequested uh, extra-large shirt. We are about to run out of F1 Show extra-large shirts for all of time. Wow, because that, 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 that train has left, my friend. That, there, there are no more new F1 Show shirts to be made because we don't want any more lawsuits. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, we don't want any lawsuits. What sizes do you have left? We have medium, large, and extra-large. No. We have medium, large, extra-large, and double-extra-large. Anyway. We have some sizes left, but we're down to one of the extra large. So uh, if you want an F1 Show shirt, they are heavily discounted. 
And they are collector's items, and they are going to be... And they're still darn tasteful and just beautiful shirts. And I mean, quite exclusive. All legal issues aside, it's a good-looking shirt. It is a good-looking shirt. Thank you very much. And there are a few left that uh, I highly recommend you picking up. And now, I, you know what? i got to check my thing. I have a thing, and I should check that it. Needs to be, so to, to pick that up, the easiest thing is to go to funwithcars.net. That's and there's the place. a link with a T-shirt on the right on the right-hand side. You can click on that, and uh, that helps support the show and keeps us on the air, uh, keeps us on the, on the net, as it were. The net. And uh, that's always a fun thing to do. And maybe at some point we'll have new shirts with our new whole show name and whatever. Who knows? But for now... Uh, that's definitely uh, something to do. And like I mentioned, just keep in touch with us on funwithcars.net. There's links to our Facebook ta- Facebook page, Twitter feed, and so on. You can find out what our plans are for next week and what we're able to come up with for a show being in two different parts of the world. Right. Um, but uh, So it may be a late show for that one, and then there's a, there's another week off and so on uh, until we get on down later in the season. But uh, okay. just bear so with us a little bit. Here, here's the update. Okay, I was wrong. We have two extra-large shirts left. We have four. So two double-extra-large shirts left. Four extra-large shirts, but one was just purchased today, so we're down to three available. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Five larges and four mediums. So we really are getting down to the last couple of these things. We yep. had a bunch. I, we had a big order of these things, and they're, they're mostly gone. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And they, they will never they, be that, replaced. That's an end of an era. Yes. So uh, definitely stay Supplies tuned. are limited, and we're like... This is not HGV t- HGTV stuff here. This is like... Home and garden television? No, it's homegrown or something. The, the, the you're going to get a QVC, my friend. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're quite literally limited. While supplies last, the, I think, the, is, the, is the phrase we're going for. I, I think this show is over. Why are is the you phrase still recording what is coming out of my mouth? This is your fault. Okay, stay tuned. Thanks, as always, for listening. I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Fun with cars! Fun with cars!